Happy New Year! I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And here we are, Dave, a hot take episode kicking off the seventh year of the podcast as the Doctor Who show. Longer, of course, if we add all the other podcasts that led into it. How do you feel going into our seventh year of the show? Are you match fit? Uh, well, I think hot take is appropriate, given we've been nudging 40 degrees in Melbourne the last <laughs> few days. Yes. It's weird, um, because we just came off the back of Flux... Yeah, a short break, and now we're doing another hot take. It's a little bit weird. Not just Flux. We did 46 episodes last year. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> it is. And and look, uh, just briefly, I want to dedicate this episode to Kira Ebert. She's on Twitter at Kerbert2ThumbsUp on Twitter. And uh, she posted earlier, I can't wait to hear the Doctor Who show's take on today's episode of Doctor Who. Well, I hope we deliver. Yes, here it comes. Shall we start with a word of the week? Uh, yes, my word of the week is convenient. Convenient, okay. My word of the week is sucker. Fair enough. Well, Rob, I watched this this morning. It's a Sunday morning here in Melbourne. I finished watching about half an hour ago. Yes. And uh, I'm very keen to hear what you thought of it. Well, I'll give you my, my overview going into it, Dave. I had a few conversations over this past week. Uh, where I mentioned to people on Twitter that, A, I don't particularly like Groundhog Day type stories unless they're done really well. They so often involve treading the same territory. They feel like a real cheat to the writing process, like, oh, copy-paste this scene, copy-paste this scene, copy-paste this scene. (laughs) Unless they're done in a really clever way, I'm not into them. And the other thing was Daleks again at New Year's, for heaven's sake. So, look, cards on the table. My, My excitement level going into this episode was about a four out of ten or so. I even said to some guys on another podcast, I was much more interested in the other specials coming this year. So that was my mood going in. And what's your mood afterwards? My mood afterwards is it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Well, that's good. That's good. (laughs) And there's many things to tease out, though, as we go. No, fair enough. How about you? Uh, Well, okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh, dear. I've been trying to work out how to phrase this because... I don't like what I'm about to say, but I've got to give my honest hot take impression, and that is I haven't been bored by an episode of Doctor Who that badly for a very long time. I haven't been sitting there just looking to see how long was left to go for a very long time, and frankly, I wish that I was in a time loop now so I could go back to the start and tell myself not to watch it. Holy hell, Dave. You... you... (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't mince words on this show. If we don't like something, we say so. But I've, I've never heard you so negative about a Chibnall episode. No, I um, I really, really didn't enjoy that. And let me be clear, not in a active, you know, death in heaven, I hate this, it's offensive to me, or a twice upon a time, this has really angered me. Mm. I just I just was utterly bored by this. And... um. Utterly unengaged by it, and and I did sort of sit there for a bit between finishing the episode and starting the mics because I I, I don't like going into a, a hot take being so down on an episode, but I sort of had to you know look tell you how I felt and how I felt was I wished that it was over, and oh. uh, I didn't enjoy it. So I'm I'm sorry, listeners. I'm I'm probably going to be a bit negative this episode. I'm very sorry about that. Well, look, I've got notes that are negative and positive. What if we what if we tease a few things out and maybe get you talking about different things and maybe we'll tease out how you feel a bit further? Well, let's let's start with one 
positive that I, I can pull out of your comments, Rob. Okay. And that is, I am very pleased, as I think you were from your comments, that this wasn't a time loop Groundhog Day story where the same things happened again and again and again, and it took us multiple iterations for the characters to work out that they were in a time loop, etc. Each loop was very quickly established to be its own thing. It was very quickly established that the characters had their memories of the previous one, so we, we didn't need to go through that Groundhog Day stuff in that sense, which I thought was at least one positive. Yeah, people cotton on very fast to what's happening and, and they know they're being killed by robots, as they call the Daleks, and, and all of that stuff. In some ways, it was maybe too fast a leap for them to make. I, I know I complain about repeating things over and over and over, and, and this was almost too fast, but I guess it made things motor along nicely. By the time they got zapped the second time, it was like, oh, we're doing new stuff. We're not repeating those scenes. And, and yes, that was good. I agree. I certainly preferred that to one or two iterations of, have we done this before? You're about to say this. Now I have this memory. Like, yeah. like that would have been really quite, quite tiresome. And so I, I think that if you're going to do a time loop story, they did it the best way they could. And so I, I will give it credit for that. Okay. I think the TARDIS reset at the start was overly dramatic. Seemingly, this is something the ship could have or would have done on its own. Like, I've got to fix myself. You know, I've got this flux energy. I've got this black gunk dripping around. I've got to fix myself. I've got multiple doors. All of that. Instead, it came across as the TARDIS is very machine-like and just does what the Doctor forces it to do. Like she's doing a, a Control-Alt-Delete on the computer. And then they've got to quickly run out the doors before things, you know, kick off. I found that a wee bit overdramatic. I didn't find it overdramatic. What I did find it, and we kind of expected this, if you go back to our hot takes and our flux cold take, mm -hmm. I found it very disconnected from what had just happened um, in, in, in a couple of ways. First of all, there was no explanation for it or even any sort of explanation of what was going on. It was just, oh, the TARDIS is a bit broken so yeah like we'll just do a quick reset and it'll all be fine um I, I i didn't really feel i mean they sort of talked about the flux energy but i sort of thought is is that all it was like i kind of thought it was going to be a bigger thing than that it's just the tardis mm. is a bit bad I don't, okay and the other thing is and, and again look we, we expected this and i was, guess i was looking for it most of the universe has just been destroyed let's go have cocktails <laughs> with lobsters <laughs> yes I can live with, okay, the first thing we've got to do is fix the TARDIS because we can't fix anything else until the TARDIS is fixed. But mm. this is step one of fixing the universe. So whilst that's happening, let's go to the library on the planet Magrathia and try and work out what's happened to the universe. Or mm. let's go consult with this. Or And, and again, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a holiday season special. These things do fall out of the... The, the, the greater narrative in that sense but but yeah the universe has been destroyed let's have cocktails just sat a little bit wrong with me yeah it seemed a little flippant if I can yeah put it that way yeah. flippant from the 13th doctor no <laughs> Uh, we're introduced to Nick and Sarah. They're the only two other characters in this. I guess this is a very much a COVID sort of filming. Very small cast. Uh, something else I noticed. I'm just going through random things that I've chucked down here, Dave. Loads of manic sonic waving in this episode. And yes. I, I longed for a remembrance of the Dalek scene, you know, where Sylv just slips his hands inside the guy's shirt 
and it's like oh massive organ disruption or whatever he says you know and he deduces that a dalek weapon did it instead oh no it's out with the sonic and looking at that non-existent readout that's not there you know to tell her something that her past incarnations could have done without the device they would have deduced it another way yeah i i long for a tom baker pull out the yo-yo wave a wet finger in the air and just deduce these things or mm. smell something or, or look at something um look i think i think it's well on record that we both dislike the use of the sonic screwdriver in the tribunal <laughs> era and it was no better here yeah, uh, I will throw in a positive though, because I do have positives in my notes. The Doctor in this story, Dave, is actually doing stuff with her companions. I mean, I guess she has to, because there's not many other characters in the story. But for once, the three of them are getting around together in the same plot. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was interesting to see. And particularly, this is really the first big proper adventure where the Doctor and Dan get to actually spend some time together and that was nice to see uh i don't think we saw a lot i mean the interactions were kind of a bit generic any companion could do that the you know doctor i'll go and distract the dalek trust me you know like mm. that's 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 good solid companion fare that's what companions are there for so i'm not going to sit there and say we suddenly got this wonderful insight into the doctor dan <laughs> it's like well no we, we we got to see them working together and it was good yeah. and they worked well together and and the actor and actress worked well together like you know that that, that was fine um um, it wasn't a particularly uh, in-depth set of characterizations, but again, it's a special, it's a holiday special, so yeah. Yeah. Were you wondering how the loop worked, when, particularly when Dan got exterminated and then everyone else ran around for minutes longer and he was just out of the plot for a while? It was a really sort of strange way for it to work, if you think about it, because if it resets when all the humans die, but it doesn't reset when the two Daleks died yet it doesn't need all the humans and all the Daleks to die, yet it has to wait for all the humans to die. I was trying to figure out the rules of this reset, Dave, and they seem very tenuous. So my headcanon is that the loop, just because the loop knows that Midnight on New Year's Eve is really important, uh, the loop resets at midnight, and all that happens is once all the characters have been killed, rather than showing us empty corridors with dead bodies for two, three minutes until it resets at midnight, we just do the reset then. Oh, oh, of course. That's what the whole countdown is, the Chibnall countdown. Yeah, so so the, the only reason why it seems like the loop resets when all the humans are killed is because it would be very boring to show us the rest of that loop. So, say everybody was killed at two minutes to midnight. There was then two minutes of the loop continuing with just everybody lying around dead, and then it reset at midnight. Okay, I got you now. I got you. But but that would not be dramatic to show, so that's why it feels like it resets that well, way. The, yes. Well, this is what a hot take is all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 for several loops, I was sort of with you. I'm like, how does this work? Does it have to wait for? And then I was like, oh, okay. I think it resets at midnight. Like they're just dead for several minutes of each loop. Yeah, you're quite right. And I've even got a note that you know we have a Chibnall countdown. So I did note that there was a countdown. I just hadn't put the two things together. Uh, hot take brain, we'll call that. <laughs> um, and another thing I wasn't too sure about, the energy shield. The first time it appeared, it was like TARDIS roundels. And I thought, oh, look, they're TARDIS roundels. But it wasn't until the 34-minute mark, because I stopped the, the video and, and looked, that the Dalek remarks that the time loop was caused by the TARDIS. But wasn't the energy barrier caused by the Dalek? Oh, so the energy barrier wasn't part of the time loop. 
I don't think so. And again, listeners, apologies. This is a hot take. We haven't gone back and checked. My understanding is that the time loop was caused by the TARDIS, mm-hmm. uh, deliberately or just as a result of the Control-Alt-Delete, I'm not sure. And the Dalek, I thought, had a line like, we've, we've blocked the front door so you can't escape. Right. So that's why they hadn't blocked the back door. They only blocked the front door. Yeah, they didn't notice the back door, I think, maybe. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm learning things here. Okay. Again, hot take, brain. It's possible I imagine that line, so don't hold me to it. Yeah. No, well, certainly the, the time loop was caused by the TARDIS. I just took the, the field to be sort of a limited range of the time loop. Otherwise, the time loop would be how, how far would it extend? That, that's oh, what. Okay, yes. That's why I thought there was uh, that sort of hard barrier so that it didn't extend out into the city and everyone was in a time loop, for example. But maybe they are two different things and they just sort of help each other in the plot. Like the, the time loop would have extended over the city, but the Dalek put a barrier in place. Or could the time loop go beyond the barrier? <laughs> well, was her mum in the time loop? Or was her mum phoning into the time loop each time? <sighs> So Don't many know. questions. So many <laughs> questions, Dave. <laughs> Another question. Why didn't the Dalek just blow that door down? It's just a thin, rattly kind of internal door. It, it's, its weapon was burning through it like it was made out of some sort of super space metal. You know, oh, gosh, this is really hard to get through. And I'm like, no, a Dalek would just blow this off its hinges. Okay, let's talk about the Daleks then. Okay. Because the Daleks looked great. Always happy to see a Dalek in Doctor Who. Mm. These Daleks were stupid Daleks. <laughs> these these Daleks were the special Emperor's plot device guard of Daleks. Right. Who can blow through doors when convenient, but when it's not convenient, a very thin tin door is enough to stop them for several minutes. Daleks who can shoot entirely accurately when needed, but despite the fact they've got machine gun lasers... <laughs> Just miss everybody when it's not convenient. On one iteration of the time loop, they can kill someone in exactly the same position with one shot. In another, they can duck into the lift and be perfectly safe without it. Daleks who spend, and this is really grinding my gears by the end of it, Daleks who keep telling us, exposition Daleks, Daleks do not do this, Daleks do not do that, Daleks Mm. do this, Daleks... Shut up, Dalek, just shoot someone. (laughs) Oh, I was getting so frustrated with the Daleks here. Daleks do not have fear, Daleks do not feel sorrow, Daleks are not... Oh my God, stop talking in the third person about yourself. This is just getting tedious. And don't get me started on Daleks stupid enough to not notice a human ducking and shoot each other continually for... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it sounds like you've, you've had a much worse time of it than me, but all of these things are in it, and, and I do agree with you. It is, it is a problem. Look, I genuinely wonder if I just watched this at the wrong time in the wrong mood, whether this is something that does not suit 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning in the heat of summer, and if I'd watched it in a sort of a more relaxed, wintry evening mood, I would have sort of gone, this is quite whimsical and lovely, and it's not the greatest plot, but oh, isn't it fun? Like, like maybe a lot of audience will have experienced like that, and maybe if I'd seen this in a different mood, I would have. Uh, I, can, I can see that being a very real possibility, but watching it when I did, as I did, and I'm not in a bad mood or anything, but just, just watching it this, this, this morning... Stuff like that just annoyed me. Dave, one thing that might 
make you happy if it happens, and I'm sure it will happen. There's a scene near the end where Jodie looks into the new TARDIS and says, so much better. And if someone hasn't already taken that and shoehorned in a shot of Capaldi's TARDIS interior or the modern take on Hartnell's TARDIS and put that out as a video on social, I'll be stunned. I'm sure someone will do that. That, I think, will cheer you up. Uh, yes, that that would be very, very good. Um, <laughs> how did you feel that the Chibnall exposition meter was registering during this one, Rob? Oh, it was certainly there, particularly in the uh, phone calls with Sarah's mum, where she's explaining to her mum how her business works, you know, which we need to know, but surely her mum would have known five years ago. She's been running the business for five years. Why is Sarah explaining these things to her mum? I don't know. Well, it's for us in the audience, isn't it? Yeah, I, I did feel, particularly for the Daleks, but also the other characters, there was a lot of just explaining things to us again and again and again and and that is a I, I guess a fault of a time loop style story that you do sort of get lots of explanation and there probably isn't a better way to do it so maybe i need to give chibnall a pass for that mm-hmm. let's turn to the ending again maybe i wasn't watching this as whimsically as i needed to to really appreciate it <laughs> yes. but a, a bunch of fireworks and a couple of other i'm not quite sure what's being enough to blow up two daleks and a whole building didn't seem right with me and Mm. two thoroughly unpleasant and creepy characters suddenly deciding they were going to go on a trip around the world with each other did not (laughs) strike me as remotely realistic or frankly sensible at all and look it's probably not going to be long before what's left of um, his latest girlfriend ends up sitting in a storage (laughs) closet somewhere when while she's filed as a missing person. Yeah, yeah. Look, around Christmas time, there was a story in the news where a big bunch of firecrackers went off in a supermarket and there were people standing just down the aisle from it, just filming it because the gunpowder in firecrackers isn't that big, particularly the firecrackers that they had on the show, like those skyrockets and things. They were like domestic sort of fire yes. fireworks. They would not blow stuff up. I know they had in the basement all those, um, I don't know, they were gas cylinders or something. That could cause an explosion, but I don't know how the explosions from the fifth floor managed to set off what was down in the basement, which they kind of left. They said, oh, we'll just concentrate on what's up here. Yeah, it was, it was odd. Yeah, I thought that it didn't quite come together and the resolution didn't work for me but frankly i was just glad it was over by then to be perfectly honest <laughs> sarah had an oh my giddy aunt line it didn't feel too forced did you like that uh, i missed that sorry you missed that oh, okay she had an oh my giddy aunt line which i noted down sarah, sarah, sarah had some nice lines now and then and some awful lines now and then mm, yeah agree look dave shall we go to the sports test? i think we should okay So here we are at the sports desk where we do play of the week, foul of the week, and MVP of the week. Dave, I'm not sure you're going to have candidates for two of these, but <laughs> let's, uh, let's see. What's your play of the week? I have had to cheat a little, I'll be honest. My play of the week is the reveal of the Sea Devil in the teaser trailer at the end. Ah, that is a cheat, but I'll let it go because that was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. It looked really, really cool, and I was very excited by that. Unlike the Silurians, where they kind of redid them, humanoidized them. And yeah, I get that makes them more convenient and better acting. I can get it, but but sorry, they turned Silurians into 
humans with makeup on these look like proper like alien creatures and that's really cool yeah and i've often said if they ever come back i'd like them to have that samurai armor and he doesn't have samurai armor but he seems to have a uh, a japanese kimono or some sort of traditional chinese clothing perhaps and that just fits the vibe i think it does and it's better than the fishnet costume they had in the sea devils oh hell yes that that string vest yeah yeah uh my play of the week is the da oh you'll like this Dave <laughs> before <laughs> before I say it the Dalek rightfully noted Jodie's genocide in flux and exterminated her for it <laughs> and I say that with a laugh but that's what you should do to people who commit genocide and the Dalek did it play of the week the Nuremberg Daleks fantastic very good foul of the week I'll take lead here I talked all through flux about the growing number of lines about Yaz and the Doctor you know, falling in love. And I called it out every time. Dave, I'm not sure you were as sold as me, but here we had the line, the good-hearted weirdos are the keepers, as Yaz gazed longingly at Jody. Then we had the whole conversation with Dan and Yaz. That actually felt earned in some ways as he's been with her for four years. Then we had Dan flat out tell the doctor, Yaz is into you. So this is absolutely a thing. I called it weeks ago. It's there so that when she regenerates, it'll be extra heartbreaking. Oh, they'd only just found each other and now Jody's gone. <laughs> you know, I don't need to go over my comments on why it's ick for an 1,000-year-old immortal to be into teenagers or 20-somethings. I mean, it's ick for a 50-year-old to be into a teenager, let alone a 1,000-year-old. My foul of the week is the doctor and Yaz. Yeah, look, there are some people who are going to be very excited by that, and if that's you, fantastic, you know, really good, really appreciate it, that, that, that's okay. I have said over a long time, and I'm long-standing in this view, that I don't like relationships or even crushes between the Doctor and the Companion. It's not what I like Doctor Who for. Mm. I don't think it's earned. I don't think it's really there, but whatever, if it makes some people happy, then fine. I can kind of brush past it. Okay. What was your fail of the week? My foul of the week, I was very close to the ending where an otherwise sensible-ish woman goes away with a possible mass murderer. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm convinced that the, like, the stuff that's left is like his gallery of his murder victims. But anyway, mm. my foul of the week was, as I said, just any time the Daleks did it, Daleks do not, Daleks don't this. Just any time Daleks talked in the third person about themselves rather than getting on with the job of being Daleks. I just found that repeated again and again and again so tedious yeah okay mvp of the week who was yours uh, i had to cheat again on this one <laughs> it's the sea devil no 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 oh. um i am going for ray cusick <laughs> very because good. even in a story that i was not enjoying where i thought the daleks were very very badly handled his design of the daleks nearly 60 years old still stands up they still look fantastic even just with little augmentations little tricks little little things like the extra gun which was kind of cool even if it meant they missed more often than they hit you know <laughs> q6's work has lasted the test of time and that i think is worth shouting out and it also got me out of having to pick a member of the cast in a story i didn't like <laughs> okay my mvp of the week is ashlyn b and look uh, cards on the table it's true i've had a wild crush on her for years she's been on game shows like qi and such and i think it's the whole blue-eyed brown-haired irish thing i think that's that's my dna too and when i see someone like that genetics just kick in and say hello uh, <laughs> but <laughs> more seriously i think she was really good in this she was an enjoyable co-star who didn't seem overwhelmed by the show and she was in the right spirit for the story 
And I think she worked. I, I really liked her in Doctor Who, so Ashlyn B for me. That's really nice. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed her character, and I feel sorry for you knowing she's probably going to be horribly murdered by Nick in the next few days. <laughs> yes, if not already. If not already. That just leaves a score word of the week and some wrap-ups, Dave. Do you have a score you want to throw at this? I fear it's going to be very low. Yeah, look, if the lowest I gave for any Flux episode was a five, and none of them, even the worst of them, I wasn't looking at the clock nearly as much as I was here and at least found some interesting elements. The best I can go here is a three. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. That's that's where I thought you'd be. I'm I'm a little more forgiving. I wanted to throw about a seven and a half at it as I was watching it. But when I stopped and sat back and thought about it, I thought, no, probably, probably seven. It's good, but maybe not as good as Twitter's hot take has been on it in the past hour or two. There's, there's been a lot of love for it out there, actually, Dave. Um, and, and, and do you think that this is that classic case of that holiday special vibe that if you're in the middle of winter by the metaphorical fireplace in the lounge room in the UK watching this go out live... It hits a vibe that watching on a very hot Sunday morning in Australia just doesn't. Do you think that's in play? I think that would be in play. I also think, though, after Flux, a simple runaround that didn't poop the bed and landed an ending. It might not be an ending that you like, but it is an ending. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, it is It is an ending and, and the plot points do join up, yes. <laughs> you know, it might seem better than it was to some. It's It's... To me, it was perfectly serviceable Doctor Who, but not great. Certainly not classic. Some people are going right over the top about it on Twitter. I can't be on board with that, even though I am more predisposed to it than you, shall we say. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Shall we do our words of the week, Rob? Yes. You, you go first. All right. My word was sucker. And some might be hearing that as sucker, but I'm actually saying sucker. <laughs> By which I mean S-U-C-C-O-R, sucker, in the sense that this episode gave me relief because Flux didn't end in the greatest of ways and we're still kind of up in the air as to what still did or didn't happen in the universe. What's going to get changed with a line in the future? I don't know. Like, oh, the universe is now fine. You know, oh, is it? Okay. So going into Jody's last three stories with this one shaping up as a concept I wasn't into the whole Groundhog Day time loop thing. I was worried, but the episode gave me sucker, Dave, that uh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Obviously, you feel differently. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair enough. My word of the week was convenient, and uh, there's nothing particularly clever or witty about that. It's simply that this plot was driven by convenience again and again and again. Uh, Daleks who could shoot somebody perfectly one moment and then missed with their machine gun another moment, mm. everything just being in the right place at the right time. And and just just too often I was just sitting there going, oh, well, that's convenient. Oh, well, that's convenient. Oh, how convenient. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so that was the word that was being played uh, in my mind the most when I watched it. Okay. Well, look, uh, listeners, that's it for Doctor Who until, I guess we presume, Easterish with the Legend of the Sea Devil stories, which I'm quite looking forward to. Sounds like you're looking forward to it too, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I I think that, as you said in our last episode, 
this holiday special wasn't something that either of us were particularly excited by because neither of us particularly loves the holiday specials. Uh, But we were both keen to see those sort of big beats of the end of the Jodie era. And look, this hasn't been my cup of tea. So be it. That's fine. Uh, I didn't walk in to kick this episode, but I've just told you how I feel. But I still remain very keen to see those big last beats of the Jodie Whittaker, Chris Chibnall era. And I have every confidence that they will be better than this. Fair enough. Well, look, we'll be back later this month with a List Makers episode, a Primary Sources episode, and a monthly episode, which this time around will be you, Dave, hosting the 42 to Doomsday guys and Richard at your place and recording a podcast of Decision. Yes, uh, now traditional sort of summer special, giving you a month off, Rob. Uh, we, haven't actually rec- we haven't actually recorded it yet, so fingers crossed this does happen. But certainly uh, in the diaries, we have it down to record an episode with the gang here in person in Melbourne and have a bit of fun with a podcast of Decision, which it's been a couple of years since we've done. Yeah, if you've not heard one of those before, search the term on our website and you'll find ones done with 42 to Doomsday and also one done with uh, Flight Through Entirety in that's years right, gone yes. by. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, until then, I've been Rob. And I've been Dave. We'll see you next time on The Doctor Who Show. Goodbye. Bye-bye.